Today's sermon will uh, be continuing in Luke. If you'd like to uh, follow along, it's in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. It's Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, whom was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, we tremble before your word, for you are God, and we are here on earth. We are the delight of your being. We are those whom you've called forth by your grace, who though our sins were many, your mercy was more. And so we, as your children, we, we wait for you to speak to us. We long to know your presence. We long to know you more, so please may you do that this morning. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to do a quick poll, and this may backfire on me. I feel like I'm a little bit loud, so I'm going to turn it down a little bit. But uh, because of the pandemic, this may not work as well as it used to. But if you have either said or thought something along these lines last month of, I'm just, I feel really busy. Raise your hand. So I feel like pre-pandemic would have been like everyone hands are up. But anyways, so that kind of works. But we all have this sense, probably, more often than not, I just feel like I'm really busy. feel stretched maybe in a million different directions. I just have too many obligations competing. Or if that is not how we feel now, we can at least remember a time when that seemed to be our, our, our situation. And uh, I just feel like I have more to do than I can adequately put my time to. I feel distracted. I sit down and my mind's running in a million directions. Uh, I try to read the scriptures and I'm thinking about the 18 other things that need to happen later today. It's just common experience. It's in, in, and the anxiety we feel from that is pretty widespread. In America, every year there are 40 million adults who experience severe enough anxiety that it can be diagnosed as anxiety disorder. That's one out of six adults are experiencing such great anxiety, it's diagnosable. And, and, I, th- and I think at least, you know, probably for my generation, and probably each generation thinks this, but we, we tend to think, okay, well, the 21st century is unique. Like, we're just busy in a unique way that no one in the past has experienced. And uh, it's just not true. People have always been busy. Even in the first century Palestine, Humans struggled with busyness. And in fact, the average work week in the last century has actually declined in America 
pretty, pretty steeply. Our great-great-grandparents worked longer hours on average than we do. But nonetheless, so anyways, the point of busyness and the distraction, the anxiety that comes with it, that's just inherent in the human experience. Because God has made us to work, because God has made us to labor in all the various ways, like, we just live in a busy world. That's what it means to be human. We're going to have competing uh, obligations and duties and responsibilities that are calling for a time, and, and we're going to struggle with the distraction, the anxiety that comes with that. That's, that's what it's going to mean to live in this world. So, the question becomes, and what does it mean to follow Jesus in a busy world? What does that look like? We're in this uh, kind of mini-series within Luke where we're looking at the four characteristics of authentic discipleship. Just to recap, uh, a few weeks ago we looked at the first, which is that the first characteristic of authentic discipleship is that it is costly and committed. It's a discipleship that counts the cost and is willing to pay that to follow Jesus. What we looked at last week is that the second characteristic of authentic discipleship is that one that exhibits compassionate love of neighbor. Specifically, compassionate love that is practical and active. And then today we're going to look at the third characteristic, which is a total devotion to Jesus in the midst of a busy world. So to give you a kind of roadmap of where we're going this morning, pretty simple outline, just two points. The first is going to be our reality, following Jesus in a busy world. And the second point is going to be our choice, deciding between the good and the eternal. So go ahead and, and again, if you don't have your Bible open, please open it and, and, uh, and join me as we get into our text. Let's look at verses 38 and 39 first. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Let's get some of the setting out of the way. So we have two women that are named Mary and Martha. We know they're sisters. Um, it doesn't say this, but it seems likely that Martha was the older sister. She kind of exemplifies those traits of the older child, the one that's going to take the lead, who's, you know, kind of a, a type A personality, want to get stuff done. And, and, and we know that actually there's another sibling, Lazarus, from John 11. He's the brother. We don't know where he is. He's probably visiting somewhere right now. Um, but the idea is that Martha in, uh, invites Jesus and his disciples to come and and whether they're just feeding the meal or Jesus and his disciples are staying with them for an extended time, but they invite them over. And Martha is busy making a meal and getting ready while Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, it's interesting. Um, is it, why is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus? That's, no one sits at my feet, probably for good, good reason. What's going on here? Like, why is she sitting at his feet? What is being said here? Well, to sit at the feet of someone was the standard posture of a disciple. If you were a disciple of a teacher or a rabbi or whatever, sitting at their feet was how you learned. Kind of like we sit in desks, you would sit at their feet. In fact, there's, there's a Jewish oral tradition from this time that, that encouraged Jews, like faithful Jews, as they pursued God, to, they encouraged them to do this. Let your house be a, a meeting house for the sages. That's like the men of God, the rabbis, the teachers. Let your house be a meeting house for the sages and then sit amid the dust of their feet and drink in their words with, with thirst. Of course, sitting at someone's feet, there's, you're communicating something by your posture, communication of reverence, respect, submission to their teaching. You're placing yourself literally under their teaching. It's one of the reasons we place a pulpit up high, not because you're placing yourself under me, but you're placing yourself under God's word. 
place them under the, under the authority of. But there was an expectation, both in this oral tradition and in Jewish practice at the time, that yes, do this if you're a man. That's the, that's the explicit, said various places, or implicit. This is for men. And here we have a woman sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is a, a startling fact. It's kind of like the Samaritan in the parable we looked at last week. You're expecting it to be a Jew who comes along and saves a day. No, it's a Samaritan. Whoa! This is kind of the same thing. And I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, I like, to, <laughs> I like to keep things simple, right? So let's talk about race one week and let's talk about gender the next week. Like this is, you know, nothing high, nothing, nothing like no hot issues here. We're just going to stick with the, the vanilla... But we want to see that Luke is being intentional about including this, this detail, and we want to be faithful to it. And so I have two observations from the fact that it is Mary, a woman, sitting at the feet of Jesus, which is first that the kingdom of God and the gospel often, not always, but often confronts our natural assumptions about both race and gender. We have natural assumptions about what is right for men and women to do, and those can be assumptions whether we kind of are, you know, leaning left theologically or leaning right. Those can be different. But often the kingdom of God, Jesus will confront those. And so we want to ask, is there a way that I need to be confronted in my understanding of gender? Because we don't want to be bound to cultural assumptions or tradition that's just of people. We want to be bound to the word of God and to the kingdom of God. That's the first observation, is that Luke is being intentional about showing that Jesus' ministry often broke molds. He was breaking the mold of ethnic relations. He's breaking the mold of what's expected. No, women can learn at the feet of Jesus just like a man can. So Jesus often breaks molds. But the second observation is that Jesus is truly pro-women. It's a phrase that's kind of bandied about. You know, Are you pro-women? Whatever. He really is. Like, he cares about the needs and concerns of women. And that comes through here. He wants Mary sitting at his feet. He cares about her spiritual needs, and, and he cares about her, their physical needs. It's part of Jesus' character. And so here's why this is so important. God, so Jesus, the most pro-woman person that ever existed, God, the most pro-woman being that's ever been, I mean, the one who designed male-female, right? Like, he's as pro-woman as you can get. It's important to keep that in the background because inevitably we'll come up against parts of Scripture that make us stop. Say, whoa, how is, what? Like Ephesians 5, wait, a wife should submit to her husband? Like, whoa, it sticks in our throat. We see parts of Scripture that seem to really clearly teach that pastoral offices are reserved for men and just kind of, how is that fair? And we remember, we keep this in the background. We can trust the Lord's teaching because he truly loves women more than anyone who ever has. And so his commands are for our good and our benefit. We can trust him. So we have this kind of scene of you know, domestic tranquility. Martha is happily making a meal while Mary gets to sit at the feet of Jesus. But then we find out that all is not well. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. 
Now, what's going on here? Martha's preparing a meal for at least 15 people, if not more. And we know there's Jesus, his 12 disciples, that's 13, and then Martha and Mary, that's 15. There's probably other people that kind of tagging along. This could be a meal of 20, 25, 30. Jenny's probably thinking, I do that every week. But this is before the advent of electrical ovens. Before, like, all our labor-saving devices, before pre-made foods. If you want to make bread at this time, you have to go out and, like, get the grain and grind the grain into flour and then mix it with yeast and water and let it rot. I mean, making bread is like a two-day operation. And then you have to also make the main course and all these other things. I mean, she's legitimately busy trying to make a meal for all these people. I love how relevant Scripture is and how much it understands the human heart. That 2,000 years later, Martha's status is when it's distracted. She's, she's busy to distraction. Like, it still resonates with us. Yeah, we still experience that. That's amazing. Scripture really knows how the human heart works. Because we also are busy. We're busy with work. We're busy with raising kids, with school, more work, house duties, caring for grandkids, maybe caring for parents. So we often can feel like Martha. We're just distracted with how busy we are. And I tell you what, when you're busy, when you're legitimately busy, there's nothing more irritating than someone in your household or a friend sitting by and reading a book. And you're trying to get stuff done. And you're like, man, that'll get you going. And that's where Martha is. And at the end of the day, we are all like Martha, oftentimes distracted with all the things that are calling for attention, living in a busy world, And so like Martha, we have to learn what it means to follow Jesus in the midst of a busy world. And how do we do that? That brings us to our second point, which is a choice that we will have between the good and the eternal. Look at verses 41 to 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I want to point out first the compassion we see in our Lord. Martha comes up to Jesus. I mean, she makes some, you know, accusatory statements. Like, don't you care? She's angry. Like, what happens when you're sitting there and someone comes up to you and is like, what are you doing? Can't you help me? Come on. Like, our instinctual reaction is to be like, defensive. Like, chill out. What's your problem? We're fine. That's not Jesus' reaction. Martha, Martha, you are... He doesn't, he doesn't say you're being crazy. He says, I, you're, I understand. You're, you're pulling your hair out. He paints a picture of a woman who is just overwhelmed with all that she has to do. He shows compassion. Jesus is the searcher of hearts. He knows irritation is just a mask for genuine concern and worry. She wants to be a good hostess. She wants to provide a good meal. She wants to serve Jesus well. And she's just having trouble bringing that together. Jesus knows that. So he responds with compassion first. It makes me think of Psalm 103, 14, which is that God knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. And so when, like Martha, we're just freaking out and we're not reacting well, God knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're just dust. And he shows us compassion. It's important to keep in mind that while he does issue a a gentle rebuke, He does it out of compassion, with compassion as the context that this is flowing from. The Bible oftentimes talks about God disciplining his his people, 
like a parent would discipline a child or their children or rebuking. And when you think of God disciplining you or rebuking you, how are you picturing that? You're picturing like God's just like fed up? Come on. Again? Like disappointed? Like really expected more from you. God's discipline of us always comes from his compassion. He understands what we're going through. He knows that we are made of dust. He knows that we are weak, prone to error. And it's out of that compassion towards us that he then teaches and rebukes and disciplines us. And what is this rebuke that Jesus gives to, to Martha? Verse 42 says, Martha, Martha, you're, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The rebuke is, Martha, you've been so caught up in all the good things, you've missed the one thing that really has eternal significance. That's total devotion to me, sitting at the feet of Jesus. So he says, Mary, on the other hand, has chosen the good portion, and that will not be taken away from her. And if you get the sense of that, of that statement, if you could capitalize not, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Mary's chosen the right way. And this will not be taken from her. Now, Jesus doesn't rebuke in order to shame Martha, neither does he discipline us in order to shame us, but it's just to teach her, to instruct her, to distinguish between the good and the eternal. And this is the lesson that Jesus wants us to learn as we try to follow him in a busy life, to distinguish between what is good and what is eternal. Now, now, there's many reasons why this is difficult in a busy world. If it was to distinguish between what is evil and what is eternal, that would be easy, right? Like, if your choice is today, I'm going to rob a bank or I'm going to read my Bible. Like, we don't need to think about that. That's easy. The reason this gets tricky is that it's oftentimes distinguishing between what is good, but then what is eternal, and that gets a lot more complicated. Hospitality is a good thing. It's a good thing that Martha wanted to make a meal for Jesus and his disciples, that she wanted to make you know, them feel welcome and at home. Those are good things. But it was coming at the cost of her actually sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we can serve God in such a way we're doing good things, we're serving, but we're not actually sitting at his feet. It's coming at the cost of actually sitting at his feet. And that's complicated because it's not deciding between something that's inherently evil or wrong but, and, 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 and eternal, but something that's good. There's a balance there. It's also difficult because, as I'm saying, because it's oftentimes distinguishing between what is good and what is eternal, we have to be able to tell when they conflict and when they don't. It'd be easy to read the story and think, okay, it sounds like Martha should just never be busy. But following Jesus is not a call to like quit our jobs, to quit this life, to not pay bills, to not do all the things that God has called us to do. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to follow Jesus is that we're living our lives and in the midst of the details of all the things that call for attention, we're doing that through Christ and for his glory. It's a call to take up our crosses in our day-to-day -day activities. And so it's not an excuse. This, this should never be used as an excuse for laziness. When I was a senior in high school, I was 
like I think I had two months left in the year and I had major senioritis. That's where, you know, you just don't have any motivation to study. And uh, my pastor preached on this uh, sermon and, and in total honesty, I went to my mom and said, Mom, I know I have all these AP exams I'm supposed to take in a month or two, but I really think if I study for them, like I'm going to be not able to sit at Jesus' feet. So I, I don't think I should take my AP exams. Uh, luckily, my mom is, you know, a wise woman and said, no, you will take your AP exams, and she forced me to, and I took them. And then I got college credit and saved money. So it was wise. I was misusing this passage. It's not, a, it's not a, an excuse for laziness. Because oftentimes the good and the eternal, they don't conflict. But how do we tell when they are? How do we tell when we are being Martha? And we're so consumed with the, the good things in life, the things that we need to do, that we're not sitting at Jesus' feet. So I have four diagnostic questions for us that will hopefully help us to think through this practically. And the first diagnostic question is really simple. Are we actually spending time at Jesus' feet? We think at this season in our life, are we spending time at his feet or not? It's a very simple question, and I think if we pause and consider, we will know the answer. I'm not asking, are we serving Jesus? I'm not asking, are we having quiet times? Are we actually sitting and listening to his voice? And this is an effective question because whether we are kind of on the busy side of life or the not busy, whether we are like pulling our hair out or we wish we had more to do, you can be very not busy and not sitting at Jesus' feet. Just like you can be very busy and not sitting at Jesus' feet. Are we actually spending time at his feet, listening to him? Diagnostic question number two, which is kind of related. Okay, how can we make this a little bit more practical? What is Jesus teaching me in this season? If we're sitting, if we're sitting at Jesus' feet, it's going to have an effect. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. There were things that she was learning, listening to Jesus. Her heart was being stirred in various ways. She didn't stand up after an hour and, you know, I don't have no idea what he said. She's learning things. And so if we find ourselves in a place where, like, I just, I, I, you know, Mike comes up and asks me, what is God teaching me? And like, I have no idea. That might be a sign that we're not sitting at Jesus' feet. He cannot teach us unless we're willing to sit at his feet. So what if we find ourselves in a place where the answer to both of those questions are no and not much, and it's because we're too busy? Now, God could, like, we may not be spending time at Jesus' feet because of other reasons. It may be like habitual sin. All, but say it's because it's just, like, I want to spend time at Jesus' feet. I'm just too busy right now. I just, I don't have the hours, the minutes, and the day to do this. What do we do then? Well, again, I got two more diagnostic questions. Diagnostic question number three, when I find myself, am I just too busy? Okay, am I managing my time well? Got to start there. Am I managing my time well? I'm, I, you know, I'm speculating here, but maybe Mary was able to sit at Jesus' feet because she had done her work in advance. And Martha was the classic type A procrastinator. She's going to wait till the last minute, and then she'll knock it out of the park. Maybe. I don't know. That's speculating. But I think sometimes our sense of being overwhelmingly busy is somewhat self-inflicted. Um, I was doing some research on just how, you know, Americans spend our time. 
And what's interesting is that the average American has about five hours of leisure time a day. That was kind of shocking. Now, that's not super helpful because that includes retirees as well as college students and everything in between. So I was like, okay, adults age 34 to 35. These are going to be usually parents with young kids. I mean, if there's a busy season, it's that. They still have, on average, four hours of leisure in the day. And that doesn't include cooking, cleaning. It doesn't include, you know, doing domestic work. Four hours. It's kind of shocking. I mean, there's going to be exceptions, but this is the Bureau of Labor Statistics, okay? This is not like Joe Schmoes. This is like a government agency doing this data. And out of those four hours, typically two to three hours is spent watching TV. So we may feel busy, but it may just be that we're not using the time that we have well. Let me use a personal example. I'm not a huge TV person. I may not watch two hours of TV in a week. I don't think I'm the most digitally connected person, but I found this thing on my phone. I have, a, I have an Android. And it's called Digital Wellbeing. It's, a, it's a, on the settings. And it shows you how much time you spend in each app a day. And again, I don't, th- I don't think I'm like the most technologically savvy, digitally connected person, but I was just like embarrassed. I'm not going to tell you. I'm too embarrassed. I was embarrassed how much time I spend reading news articles and blogs and how much time I spend texting. It's like, I am like a 13-year-old girl. This is embarrassing. I'm, I'm not going to share how much it was per day, but it's like, oh, my word. If I just took this out of my day, like, I'd, have, I'd have more margin. With unprecedented access to infinite amounts of professional entertainment, as Christians, this is just going to be a perpetual temptation. Are we using our time well? And that may be one of the reasons why we feel like we don't have time to be at Jesus' feet. We're just not managing our time well. Last diagnostic question. So say... You're feeling too busy. You do a, you know, an honest audit of your time, and you, and you think you're using your time well. What you, but you're still too busy to spend time at Jesus' feet in the way you want to. What then? The last question, am I in a busy season, or am I just too busy? Am I in a busy season? Again, God, when Jesus calls us to call him, it's not calling us to leave our lives, to leave the world, and we're going to go through busy seasons. Whether that's graduate school, it could be finals during college, it could be just having young kids is a busy season. I mean, there's seasons of life we go through where we just legitimately don't have much time. And in those seasons, we do the best we can and we trust that God will preserve us. But there has to be an end date. If we find ourselves in a position where I'm just crazy busy and there's no end date, it's not like, yeah, like, you know, for the next three months, it's going to be crazy, but then this is ending or whatever, then we may just be too busy. And at that point, we may need to start looking at how can we restructure our lives so that we can be spending time at the feet of Jesus. Now, you may think, that sounds excessive, Mike. Restructure my lives, like get a new job, turn down a promotion. But if spending time at the feet of Jesus is not something extracurricular, but it's basic to discipleship. It's discipleship 101. If that's true, then it's not excessive at times to rethink through, do I need to restructure my priorities and how I spend my time and my very life? Because at the end of the day, we cannot please Jesus if we're not hearing him. We can't hear him if we're not sitting at his feet. So this coming week, church, when will you make time to 
to just sit at the feet of Jesus, to let his presence wash over your soul, just sit under his word, not rush, just be in his presence. They say if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Where is that time going to be in your week? And, and my encouragement to us is make time for that, no matter the cost. Because it is so important to be at the feet of Jesus. So to sum up, again, the third characteristic we're looking at of authentic discipleship is total devotion to Jesus in the midst of a busy world. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all going to quit our jobs and move to the Abbey of Gethsemane in Bardstown, although I do love spending weekends there. It's amazing. But that's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to follow him in the midst of our busyness, to, to live for him in the details of our lives and our jobs and our vocations, to do that for his glory, but also to actually be sitting at his feet and hearing his word and worshiping him. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you'll give us every member here time in your presence this week where like Mary, we can put aside the busyness of our lives and just be in your presence. Hear your beautiful voice speaking to us, the voice that speaks to the aches of our hearts, that speaks to the questions of our minds, that gives us comfort and hardship, that challenges us when we are growing stale. We, if we can be anywhere, Jesus, it's in your presence. Please help us to live all of our lives to your glory, to do all the details and activities of our day-to-day -day existence to your glory, for your glory. And help us to set aside regular time to put aside all the things that we're called to do and just be with you and listen to your voice and have our lives changed. May you do this by your Spirit's power. In your holy name we pray. Amen.